Slayers. This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? To which the answer to that question is every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer exactly 20 years after its original air date. So, um, I've been gone for a while because we were on a hiatus for over a month. <laughs> um, so I apologize because I told you guys the last time I would probably be back in a couple of weeks to talk about the Angel episodes that I need to catch up on, but I didn't do it. Uh, April's been a difficult month. It usually is for me. It's sort of my dark time of year. So whatever, it didn't happen and nobody complained. So if you ever do want to complain about anything, just email me mixtressray at protonmail.com. M-I-X-T-R-E-S-S-R-A-E at protonmail.com. I know no one has a proton mail, but it's like an, an encrypted email service and I like it. So whatever. Anyway, please always let me know if you have any thoughts about anything or you just want to say hi. Um, yeah, so we're back. Um, as far as the angel shit, I know no one really cares, but here's my plan. <laughs> you guys know how plans work out with me, but, um, the plan is that I am going to sometime during the summer, sometime during the hiatus, I will catch up on all the angel episodes. Um, you know, no promises on when it will happen, but it'll happen because I do want to catch up on the angel episodes, but most likely I'll just binge watch like four at a time and do an episode. You know, if I get so behind that I'm like, eight episodes behind that I have the whole rest of the season to catch up on. I will probably do it in a couple of different episodes. Who knows? It'll happen though. Like this is just how with Angel, how I'm going to deal with Angel from now on. Unless, I mean, if people have opinions about it, please let me know. Um, you can, you can do so via my email. <laughs> um, the only time I'm ever going to be consistent with Angel is the very last season, season five. So two years from now, because, um, I, I like season five of Angel. If I'm, if I remember correctly, I, that was the season that I enjoyed. I really like, um, a reminder if, if for some reason, this is the first time you're tuning into this podcast, it's not spoiler free for Angel or Buffy. Okay. Now that they're gone, <laughs> the theoretical one person that might've been listening to that. Um, when Fred turns into Illyria, I really like that storyline. I mean, I I'm sad to lose Fred, but I really like that storyline because I really like the character of Illyria. Um, and I also enjoy the bickering between Spike and Angel whenever Spike comes on to um, Angel. So season five, and that's going to be after Buffy is over. So what's this bitch talking about is going to be talking about the answer to that question is going to be every episode of Angel <laughs> 20 years after its original air date, that last year of Angel. Um, and then who knows what the podcast is going to become after that. Um, but one of the reasons why I named it, what's this bitch talking about is so I could state that the answer to that question is fill in the blanks. So I can talk about whatever I want. I don't have to change the name of the podcast, even though the podcast now is 
in parentheses, a Buffy podcast. But even even years later, this podcast is mostly going to be a Buffy podcast, right? So anyway, tonight we're talking about entropy. So this is the last episode before the gut-wrenching, most awful, most upsetting episode of Buffy ever, Seeing Red. So... I, I am nervous about it. I've been nervous about it. I've been talking about it this entire season. I've been like, guys, seeing red. It's like a countdown. Two episodes. One episode. So next week at this time, I, you know, check in with me. Make sure I'm okay. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's going to be next week. There's going to be a lot of crying. This week was there was only a little bit of crying. Um, and then after that, we're going to have, so we're going to be going full speed ahead for the month of May. So seeing red next week, the week after that, uh, whatever's after that, I think there's like three episodes after next week and two of the episodes are happening on the same day. Um, so our very last, let me just check my calendar. Our very last episode to talk about for this season is on May 21st, which is only three weeks from now. So there you go. Okay, let's get into it. So Entropy, that is the one where Anya and Spike sleep together and Tara and Willow get back together, <laughs> pretty much. Um, so the episode begins with Jonathan, Andrew, and Warren are, they, at first they appear to be hunting vampires. And so you're like, oh, cool. Maybe they're like, you know, turning their shit around or something. But no, they were just chasing these particular vampires because they had some magical diskette thing that they needed for a spell. And we don't find out in the course of the episode what the spell is for. We don't find that out until the next episode. Um, But they kind of chase the vampires off accidentally, but Buffy catches up to them. So they just kind of hang back and she doesn't see them. They just sort of hang back and they're like, oh, Buffy's going to take care of them for us. And they end up getting the little disc that they need, um, which they wouldn't have gotten if Buffy had been, if Buffy hadn't been like distracted and arguing with Spike, because Spike is there, she probably would have, you know, she has keen vamp. She has keen vampire slayer senses, you know, <laughs> she can, she would have noticed that they were there if she wasn't arguing with Spike, most likely, but she is arguing with Spike. Um, Spike is there and he's like, he's still hanging over her head. The whole, he's literally hanging a vampire over her head because he's like perched above her somewhere in the cemetery. And he says something like, if you don't tell your friends about us, then I'm going to, and like stuff like that. And she's being pretty chill. She's not like yelling at him and being judgmental towards him and stuff like that right now. She just kind of, she's being patient with him for the most part. And she's like, I'm not going to tell them because you know what? I almost killed them last week because you know, even though it's been a month for us, um, the last episode, just previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the last episode was the one where Buffy thought she was in a mental hospital and um, she almost killed her friends because she thought they were delusions. 
And she's like, you know what? Go ahead. Tell them. I almost killed them all last week and they forgave me. So I think that they'll be okay. She's like, finding out that I was sleeping with you, I think they'll deal. You know, of course, she doesn't want them to know, but that's what she says to him. And, um, let's see. Then we get, um, a shot of Xander. He's like, wallowing, listening to sad music in his apartment, drinking a beer, and then he gets up and leaves, and you see that Anya is, like, watching him from the bushes or something. Um, and this is the first time we've seen Anya. So, also previously on Buffy, it was only two episodes ago that Xander left Anya at the altar. We're still on the same disc. <laughs> If you watch the DVDs, <laughs> we're still on the same disc as when he left her at the altar. Um, and then we didn't see Anya at all during normal again when Buffy was um, going nuts. And now we're here. So it really hasn't been that long in like, you know, episode time, but it's just been long since, since we've been, since I'm watching it at least in, um, in real time, 20 years later. Then we get um, a scene where Willow is waiting for Tara to get out of class um, at school. And they are like walking and talking and Willow gets up the nerve to ask Tara on a coffee date for the next day. And Tara says yes. Or she just actually, Willow's just like, well, maybe someday this week we could go for coffee or something. And Tara's like, yeah, I'm free tomorrow. And, you know, it's awkward, but you can tell that they still really love each other. And, like, it's really sweet. All this Tara and Willow shit is super sweet right now. Like, really the only time in the history of Buffy that I like Willow is... I don't know. I, I do sort of need to uh, deal with my feelings towards Willow. <laughs> Because I tend to, like, hate her fucking guts most of the time. But I think it's because I see myself in her in a lot of ways. Um, I remember whenever, different parts of my life, I, if I was watching Buffy before bed, <laughs> and there have been times that, like, that was my thing. I would watch Buffy before I went to bed. And before I went to sleep, I'd lay in bed and watch Buffy. And the times in my life whenever I used to do that... Um, I would always dream about Buffy when I slept, but I was always like, either I was just there in the group somehow and I was myself or I was dreaming from the perspective of Willow. And I think that that is an indicator that part of the reason why I get so angry at her is because I see myself in her and I am kind of like her in that, you know, how Willow always like whenever something's wrong, whenever she fucked up, she's just like obsessively in people's faces about it, like apologizing profusely and crying and like, like uncontrollable crying. And that's how I am whenever I feel guilty about something like that sort of impatience to get forgiveness and get and be able to move on and make sure the person knows that I will never do anything like that again. And, you know, I'm, I'm really, really in people's faces whenever I have done something wrong and I need forgiveness, just like Willow. And it's so 
fucking obnoxious and like, girl, you need to be patient. But anyway, that's the reason why I get mad at her. So cool. Whatever. <laughs> Thanks for being my, my therapist guys. Um, so anyway, I do like her right now though. In this episode, I really like Willow and I really like Willow and Tara and I just wish that they could work out even though I know that they can't. I know that they can't. Um, anyway, let's see, where are we? Da, 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 they make a coffee day. Okay. And then we have, you know, there's really some good reparations happening. Like at this point in the season, everyone's sort of like faced the shit that they need to face and they're starting to deal with it. Um, it's not always in a good way. Like, I don't think Xander's handling shit very well right now. But, you know, the truth has come out with everyone. And now they're all figuring out a way to deal with it. Um, so with, we get several scenes between Buffy and Dawn in this episode they're like out on the town or something and they're trying to have like a shopping date or something, but they can't go into any of the stores because Dawn shoplifted at all the places. And she's being really upfront about like what she stole from every single place and which places she can't go into and stuff like that. Because they, they let you know that basically at this point she started to make reparations. She has given everything back to the stores that she still had and she's like working off ways to pay back the places, I guess. So, I mean, that's just kind of like, wow. Like, I feel like in most circumstances it would just sort of be like, okay, well, don't do that again. I, I mean, this just seems to be like a very mature way to deal with it, you know, to admit what you did bring everything because I'm assuming like none of these places caught Dawn so they might have known about the missing inventory but they didn't know that she was the one that did it so the fact that she owned up to it and brought everything back and she's you know not gonna go into any of these places again to shop and stuff like that I just I don't I just like wow how mature you know like especially for like a 15 year old, like Dawn is being extremely mature in this episode. She's not annoying at all, not even once in this episode. Um, and part of that is because when people are paying attention to her and being respectful towards her, she's a very reasonable kid, you know? It's just when everybody's completely ignoring her existence that she cries out for attention. So... I mean, that kind of tracks for teenagers. Anyway, um, it's just, I just noted that it's very crowded in Sunnydale. It's just like, there's a huge crowd on the streets, like it's downtown LA or something. <laughs> um, when they're walking around shopping or trying to shop, window shopping in Sunnydale. Um, let's see. There's the whole dynamic with Jonathan and Warren and Andrew is really like, hitting a fever pitch like Jonathan's wanted out ever since Katrina died you know and they're doing a good job of showing that and showing that Andrew just immediately made an alliance and a trauma bond with Warren whenever that happened whereas he was closer with Jonathan before 
And these dynamics, I didn't necessarily notice any other time I've ever watched Buffy. But, like, Andrew and Jonathan were, like, BFF until that Katrina thing happened. And Andrew's reaction to that trauma was to, like, get closer to Warren. Um, And part of it is because I think he has a crush on Warren. But part of his reaction to the trauma was to get closer to Warren because he sees Warren as a threat. So he wants to be, you know, closer to that power source. Um, that's his way of coping with the situation. Whereas Jonathan is just like, holy shit, weird. We've killed someone. So he's really having more of a moral reckoning within himself and he just wants to get out. So I think they're actually dealing with those dynamics in kind of a smart way because it tracks with like we didn't know Andrew before this season but it tracks with what we knew about Warren from before the season and what we've known about Jonathan for years you know because he's been a side character like he was starting off like in the background probably in season two like he's been around maybe even since season one I don't know it's possible um he might not have been a named character until like season two or three, but I, I mean, I think he's been around since the beginning. So we know Jonathan, we know that he's not a bad hearted person. So they're not trying to write him that way, but he's a little opportunistic and, you know, anyway, I think they're writing those characters in a smart way. And man, that the best part of season seven is maybe not the very best part of season seven, but one of the best parts of season seven is Andrew. (laughs) He's just hilarious. And his, I just love him so much. Um, anyway, uh, what else? Where are we? So at this point, Jonathan has basically like made a deal with Warren that he's going to do this one last thing for them because he's really the most powerful witch out of all of them. Like he's the powerful witch um, Warren's just sort of, he knows technological crap, you know, like robotics and stuff. And Andrew's just there, you know, he doesn't really have any special powers, but, um, so Jonathan's doing like one last spell for them. And then he's like, and then we're going to cash out and go our separate ways. Right. Um, he thinks they should all just disband. He wants to put this whole situation behind him, which is also not exactly right. Like he needs to you know, there needs to be reparations for the shit. But anyway, so that's what he wants and that's what he thinks is happening. But Warren and Andrew are plotting against Jonathan and he knows that, I think, you know. So basically what they imply in this episode is that um, whenever Jonathan does this last spell for them, and we, again, we don't know what it is in this episode, but it turns out to be like some kind of like omnipotent spell thing where you can get whatever you want and you're all powerful, like a hundred percent all powerful or some shit. Um, but anyway, so Warren and Andrew are like, okay, well, as soon as he does this for us, he's done. So I think they're plotting to kill him. I'm pretty sure. Um, so that's that. Let's see. Anya's waiting. Okay. So Xander gets back from wherever he was. I don't know if he went out to get another six pack of beer or what, but he comes back after he left earlier and Anya's waiting for him in his apartment and they talk and 
like, I don't think I ever really realized this before, but I think Anya's willing to, she's willing to, like, work it out if they go back to being engaged. You know, she doesn't want to go back to just dating. And I understand that. I mean, this is a classic case of, like, classic case. This is just a case of like two people wanting different things out of the relationship. Xander is just like, I'm not ready to be married. I just want to go back to dating. And, and I think that's valid. Um, and I think what she wants is valid too. She's like, no, I want to get married to you. And if we're not going to be engaged, I don't want to waste my time with this. And I totally get that because, you know, he might be partially pulling back because he doesn't, I mean, he doesn't really respect her that much, right? I mean, the show doesn't seem to understand that Xander doesn't doesn't respect Anya, but he doesn't. So, yeah. Anyway, so she's kind of there to find, I, I don't know, gauge what's going on with him. And at first she, she starts feeling kind of tentatively hopeful because he says he's really sorry and he can't believe what has happened and like he can't believe what a jerk he's been and blah 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 and she's starting to soften to him but then he says I just should have been more honest then we wouldn't have had to you wouldn't have had to go through all of that with you know the wedding and blah 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 and she realizes oh you just want to date me if you would have been more honest about the fact that you weren't ready to marry me you don't want to marry me and he gets all stuttery and, you know, he, cause he still isn't totally being upfront. I don't think because his truth is that, yeah, he's not ready to get married, but also, yeah, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> so I'm proud of Anya because she, she just, she just yells at him and she's, she's not going to budge on what she wants if he can't be engaged to her and that's what she wants. If he can't act, if he can't, if that's not what he wants, then they need to part ways. And I'm proud of her because a lot of people don't have the guts to leave a relationship when the other person doesn't want what you want. You know, one person tries to, tries to acquiesce and just make nice and she doesn't do that. And that's, I'm proud of her. Anyway, <laughs> spoiler alert, the MVP of this episode is Anya because I think she's, you know, she's always been forthright. Um, she's open about what she wants and what she needs. And if she's not going to get that, she's going to move on. And I like that. She's a badass. Even though for, I don't know what they were doing with her styling in this episode. Like they're, her hair just looks fucking weird. I don't know. It's very white blonde and they're giving her like, I'm a crazy demon woman now curls, I guess. And she was dressed all in red the whole episode, like totally monochromatic, bright red, which I do not think is her color. <laughs> I don't know. It was just like, she's a demon now. Let's make her hair real crazy and let's put her all in red. And she just did not, normally she just looks great. Emma Caulfield just looks beautiful all the time, but she just did not look that great in this episode. <laughs> um, cause they just weren't styling her correctly. Um, and at one point Xander says that he's trying to be honest and Anya's like, great honesty now. 
What will the metal say that you decided to be honest now? And, you know, that's pretty fair. Because he went all the way to the wedding day before he told her that he could not get married. Like, I mean, at least it happened before they got married, but still. We get this little moment where Anya, she's she's facing away from Xander and she, like, gets her vengeance face. Like, her vengeance face comes on. And so this is the first moment that we're that we know for sure that she has gone back to being a vengeance demon. We didn't know that before now. Um, and she, you know, she tries to curse him. Like, I wish you were never born or something like that. I don't remember what she said, but she tries to curse him and it doesn't work. And let's see, we later get a scene where she's talking to Halfric, her friend Halfric, and She's like, well, of course, you can't do it. You can't have self-serving, you know, vengeance. You have to get someone else to wish harm upon Xander. And so then Anya spends the whole episode talking to all of everybody. Buffy, Dawn, Willow and Tara. Talking to them about, like, you know, how mad she is and all that stuff. And, like, trying to get them to wish harm upon Xander, which, of course, they won't. Um, and it's just kind of funny, you know, whatever. Um, I think, I don't know. I feel like it was never going to be a thing. Like, even if they had wished harm upon him, I don't think she would have actually done it because, you know, we see a few different points in the episode when someone does start to wish Xander harm or something, she shuts them down. So she doesn't really want, and she even says this to Spike later, like, I'm coming off all hellbent and mad, but really she just feels insecure. She's just sad. You know, she's not really, like, yeah, she's angry, but she doesn't want to. And we'll see as the storyline with Anya progresses she can't, her heart is not in the vengeance game anymore. She can't do it anymore because she has humanity now. So this is just the beginning of that humanity. Like she wants to curse him so she can move on. That's what she would have done in the past as Anya the vengeance demon, as Anyanka the vengeance demon. But she can't do that now because she cares, she cares about him and she's not, she has... She's, I guess, becoming a vengeance demon is not the same thing as becoming a vampire because it's not like she's soulless now. I don't think she's soulless now. Um, anyway, so Anya tries to curse Xander, blah, blah, blah. Then we have a, we now have another conversation between Dawn and Buffy where like they're making plans to hang out later that night or something. It's in the morning and because Buffy wants to spend more time with Dawn. You know, she's really trying to make it up to her how absent she's been. Um, and Dawn's like, how about instead of you hanging out with me tonight, I hang out with you. I can go with you patrolling. Maybe you can teach me some things. This is the first time we've seen, I think this is the first time we've seen Dawn really try to ask Buffy to train her. And I think that's a completely reasonable suggestion 
because she's the little sister of the Slayer, you know, and she makes a very compelling argument in this conversation. She's like, I know you want to protect me, but you're the Slayer, so danger's gonna find me, and I'd like to be prepared, you know, or I'm paraphrasing, but Buffy's just totally shuts it down, but in this case, Dawn, at this moment, she's she's trying to make peace with Buffy. She's trying to, everybody's trying to, like, you know, be a little kinder to each other, <laughs> you know? And Dawn just lets it go this time. She's like, okay. But um, she at least brought up the subject, and... I think that's that's an important theme that's going to come back up again, especially at the end of the season. Um, oh, and then we get Tara and Willow are on their coffee date. So it's like the next day now. Um, they're on their coffee date after Tara's class and they're talking and Willow's just filling Tara in on everything that she missed. And it's kind of sweet. You know, you hear parts of the conversation and you can tell that, I don't know, everything between Tara and Will in this episode is sweet. Um, Tara gets outfit of the episode in this scene, particularly because she's wearing, she's wearing this sort of like, it's like a dark spring green, not quite an olive green. It's like in between those two colors, lace shirt and like a one of those terrible, like, long jean skirt things that were happening in 2002. Like, both Willow and Tara are wearing one. Tara's is brown, and Willow's is just regular denim. Um, but she's wearing, like, a pretty, like, chandelier necklace with green stones in it that matches her, um, matches her lace shirt. And Willow's wearing, like, a rose pink sort of lacy shirt. Like they're definitely dressed to match each other to show that they're in, they're still in the same place, that there's hope for them to go forward and have a relationship. Um, it's really sweet. It's really sweet. It is. Um, and they're talking and they're getting along and then Anya shows up and she, you know, tries to get them to wish vengeance on on Xander. But this is the first time, this is the first time anyone's seen Anya in this episode. So they're all being pretty attentive to her, listening to her, like empathizing with her pain and everything, but they're not falling for the wish shit, you know? Um, and they're not suspecting that she's a vengeance demon or anything again, which I think is nice because, you know, they've always kind of treated her like an outsider. So it's nice that they're not automatically going there and thinking that she's gone back. Um, they're not being suspicious. They're just treating her like a human, maybe even more so than they ever have. At one point, so we get just sort of a montage kind of, of Anya trying to get everybody to wish harm on Xander. And while she's talking to Buffy, um... Xander shows up and cause he's looking for Anya and Anya, like they yell at each other for a second or something. And then Anya leaves and Xander tries to go after her for a second, but Buffy stops him and she's like, dude, you're both angry. Just like, this is not the time to go after her right now. Let her cool off. And, um, and she's right, but man, how hard is that in the moment? She's like, I don't want to cool off. I want to do this now. <laughs> Oh my God. 
from that person too. Anyway, um, so he's all angry and he's venting to Buffy and he ends up kicking this garden gnome that's in front of the tree in her front yard. And Buffy's like, what is, where did this come from? Why do we have this awful thing in our yard? And then because Xander has kicked it, it broke and they find that there was a camera in it. Um, so Xander immediately suspects Spike. So Buffy goes to talk to Spike. I don't know if she ever even thought that it was him. She seems to kind of think that maybe it's him. And Spike says, uh, Buffy says something to him. Oh, like you're not manipulative and blah, 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 blah. And Spike says, I don't hurt you. So that's particularly interesting knowing that he's about to attempt to rape her in the next episode. But overall, this is something that Spike genuinely believes. And I think it is real. Like we get this little speech from him in this episode right after that he's like I don't hurt you this thing this thing that I feel for you how I feel about you it's different it's real so he's telling her that it's not just a crush it's not just an obsession it is something real for him and I do think that that is true and Buffy agrees you know she she's still being pretty kind and patient with him she says, you know, he says that it's different, it's real. And she says, I think it is for you. And this is a little hurtful to him. And she apologizes. She's like, I know it's not what you want to hear, but you need to move on. And she gets a little like, I don't know, just a little preachy like she does. It's a thing. Buffy gets preachy and she has a lot of speeches. <laughs> it's going to be a theme in season seven. But she kind of starts to get a little preachy at him and he shuts her down and he's like, get out. And she does. She doesn't push it, thankfully. Um, but I think this is an important thing to note. And I know it, it can be like, we're going to be talking about it next week. My God, next week's episode is probably going to be so fucking long. Um, I think that, so I don't know. I am not going to try to like parse out, you know, in real life, can there be redemption for somebody that attempts to rape someone? I'm not going to pretend to have an answer to that question, but I think how we're going to have to go forward talking about this is just in the context of a fictional character in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I truly believe that Spike as a character, even though he's soulless, he has started to find his way back to to almost soul reparations. He has started to find what it might feel like to be morally good. And he found that through his obsession with Buffy, through what started as a total soulless obsession and then attraction. And it has become something more for him. And that 
is the motivation that gets him to go get his soul because he cannot believe that he still has it in him to be a terrible rapist vampire. I think that that's a true wake-up call for him in the next episode because I think he genuinely believes this is different. How I feel about you is different. He is like almost becoming infected by the pure goodness of a vampire slayer. But, I mean, cheesy, but I do think that that's really what's happening with him. And we've seen it demonstrated many, many times that Spike understands consent. We see it happen in this very episode because whenever he and Anya are about to do it, several times she kind of pulls back and stops him and he hears her out and waits for her to decide what she wants to decide. He is not pushing himself on her at all. And yeah, we've seen him be manipulative and rapey towards Buffy. We've seen it. He was an abusive boyfriend, for sure. He needs to get his soul, for sure. Because we are supposed to remember that he is a soulless vampire. It is true. But he does understand consent and he does have mad respect for Buffy despite how shitty she treats him most of the time so I do think I don't know anyway that's next week <laughs> and I don't I don't want to be an apologist for what he's going to do but I do think that there's nuance in this conversation. Okay. <laughs> Ooh. All right. Um, where are we? Um, then Anya's talking to Hallie again, and she's like, well, of course none of this worked. You just talked to all the people that love Xander. They're not going to wish harm upon him, you know? Um, and then Anya's like, well, what am I supposed to do? Just stumble upon someone who doesn't give a fig's ass if Xander gets hurt? And then, of course, that Spike's cue to walk into the magic box. And he wants some kind of spell to dull the pain of his breakup with Buffy. And um, Anya's like, I got something that'll help you with that. <laughs> and she pulls out, no joke, it is a bottle of Evan Williams, which um, is a very cheap bourbon whiskey. <laughs> It's like $11.99 where I live. And that's usually the kind that I get. <laughs> so cheers. I'm going to have a little sip of my little shot of Evan Williams that I have poured right now. Ah, <laughs> it's, it's not bad. It's surprisingly good for cheap whiskey. <laughs> anyway, so Spike walks in. Anya pulls Hallie aside and she's like, this is perfect. Anya, or this is perfect. Spike hates Xander. Blah, blah, blah. If only he were a woman, blah, blah, blah. Because Anya has this whole thing where she just, she gets vengeance upon men that have wronged women. And Hallie's like, look, I think it's cute that you have this whole women power take back the night thing, but... Men need a little vengeance now and then, too. <laughs> Maybe you could try it out on him, <laughs> which is cute. So um, Anya decides 
She's going to share a bottle of whiskey with Spike and they're going to get to the bottom of this. She's going to get him to wish harm upon Xander. But really what they end up doing, because they're two brokenhearted people, they end up just talking everything out over the bottle of whiskey. And I really love this entire interaction between Anya and Spike. I think it's really honest. I think it makes sense. I don't think, yeah, I just think that it's, it's totally plausible that the two of them would connect in this moment and that they would even just decide to have sex really quick because for them, they're both, you know, Anya is 1500 years old or some shit and Spike is 300, 250 something. I don't know. 150. I think he's younger than... Yeah, he's younger than Angel. Because Angel made Drusilla and Drusilla made Spike. So, whatever. But he's over a decade old at this point, for sure. <laughs> so, I don't know. I just really liked the way that they did this. I think it was really plausible that this could happen. They're two adults. They had just been broken up with. Anya is... Spike's type, and he even says to her at one point, um, I have nothing but respect for a woman who's forthright. Drusilla was always straightforward. She didn't, then he says something about she had no idea what the fuck was in front of her, but she was straight about it. <laughs> and yeah, I love that. Um, that's one of my favorite things about Buffy, the show in general, is characters like Cordelia and Anya and Drusilla you know, people that just tell it like it is. I love Anya so much. And I'm glad that we're not, even though she's not going to be a huge part of the show going forward, she's still going to be around. And I like her story arc from now on. Now that it has nothing to do with Xander, I like it. And there's definitely, as a whole, I don't think season seven is super great. But there's a lot of really great moments in season seven. It's kind of like season seven and season four are kind of sisters in that way. Where like, as a whole, those seasons are kind of clunky, but there's a lot of great episodes in there. So anyway, talking about season seven when we still have four episodes left to talk about in season six. So let me refocus here. Okay. At the same time that Anya and Spike are kind of, you know, flirting and, you know, having their whole solace bond thing, um, we are flashing back and forth and Willow, Willow, Xander, and Buffy are in the dining room at Buffy's house and Willow is like hacking into the security camera footage or the camera footage and they're finding out that like, there are cameras all over town, like everywhere that all of the Scoobies work and go to school and their normal haunts like the bronze and magic box and blah, blah, blah. So they're finding that there are cameras everywhere. And of course they suspect that it's Jonathan, Andrew and Warren. Um, they know it's them and they, as Willow's tapping into the feed, showing the magic box, of course, it's pointed right at the table where, <laughs> where Spike and Anya do it. Um, but anyway, so let's see, where are we? I, you know, I, 
I'm mad at Willow in this moment because why wouldn't she, as soon as she realized what was going on, because she realized what was going on, that she was looking at the magic box feed and that she was looking at Spike and Anya doing it on the table. She realized it before Xander and Buffy walk around to the other side of the table and see what she's seeing. And it's, it's on a laptop. She could have just slammed the laptop down and been like, um, nothing. There's a camera there's a camera at the magic box, <laughs> you know, but she doesn't, she doesn't slam the, the computer down. She lets them just see what's happening. And Don walks in at this point. Um, and yeah, it's a whole thing. <laughs> so Don and Willow both notice how Buffy is reacting to what she's seeing um, and so they get it immediately. You know, Buffy's secret about, you know, her doing it with Spike is out. They get it immediately based on her face. Um, Xander's distracted by his own pain, of course. And he immediately, like, Buffy goes out to the backyard to sit by herself. And Xander grabs an axe and Willow notices that Xander grabbed the axe and he goes to tell, she goes to tell Buffy and Buffy goes after him. But before that, Buffy's sitting in the backyard. Don goes out to talk to her. And again, it's just a very like mature conversation where Don's like, you and Spike, huh? Why didn't you tell me? And Buffy's just honest. She says, well, I didn't really even want to admit it to myself. And Don says, I get that. And they're having an honest conversation about it. And then Willow comes out to say, Xander just took your axe. So of course, Buffy goes and she shows up just in time. So we get this nice moment, you know, Anya and Spike have just finished having sex and they're putting their clothes back on and they're both just like facing away from each other and sort of like you know, you can tell that they're both still really fucking sad and that didn't actually help. And it's like, they're realizing that that didn't help, that they're not moving on towards each other, that that didn't help them move on. It was just a moment. And, you know, Spike starts to walk out, but he stops a few feet from the door and he turns around and they don't even say anything to each other, but they just sort of like give each other sort of this nod of respect through solace and sadness. And then he walks out the door. And I think that that was really, I just think that that was really well done. You know, there was, these are two characters that have respect for each other, but don't really have a connection. You know, they were connecting with each other because they were both kind of in the same place at the same time, but not because of anything real between them, of course, but they still have respect for each other. And it was just sort of like, they knew what they just did is never going to happen again. It's, they're both adults. What happened happened, you know, before it even happened. Anya said to him, you know, I'm just doing this because I'm drunk and you smell good. <laughs> and he's like, see, forthright. So it was a totally consensual situation and they're both 
just like, yeah, I don't know. It was just, it was a scene without any dialogue where you got the situation. They were both like, well, shit, I still feel like shit. That didn't help. Not of respect. That's never going to happen again. Parting ways. That's all. He didn't help her clean up the mess whenever he like shoved everything off the table so they could do it on the table. <laughs> he should have helped her clean up at least, but whatever. Okay, then as soon as Spike walks out the door, um, he has to dodge an axe coming at his head because Xander with the axe, he's there and he's just in total vengeance mode, you know, and he's trying to kill Spike and Spike is not fighting back because, you know, he can't with the chip and everything, but also, you know, he's not, he understands the situation, I think. And he's, he's also not fighting back because I think that there's something in him that knows that, I don't know, there's some good in him also that's keeping him from fighting back because we've seen him just out of total spite, like smack Xander before. And this isn't one of those moments. He doesn't fight back. And Xander's being awful. Buffy shows up just in time. And also Anya. They intervene. And this is where Xander is the biggest dick that we've possibly ever seen him. This is an example of the fact that he does not respect Anya. Because he just... You know, he starts telling her that he's disgusted looking at her because she had sex with that evil soulless thing. And it's just awful. And for some reason, Spike is just sitting there listening to all of it. He's just taking it. I don't, I don't know why he's there just because of, you know, the scene, but normally Spike would have stomped off during this whole thing, you know, but he is just wounded sitting there and Xander's being awful. And after he says, I can't believe you had sex with that evil soulless thing or whatever, Spike interjects was good enough for Buffy. And so this is, you know, the moment where her secret is out to everyone. Everyone knows now. And Xander reacts with, I don't want to know this. I don't want to know any of this. And he just stomps off. And Buffy just looks at, Anya's still there. Yeah. Buffy just looks at Spike and she's kind of angry, but she just, she doesn't even bother saying anything. She just turns and leaves. And then Spike tries to like, I don't know, commiserate with Anya again. And he starts to say something. I wish Xander, blah, blah, blah. And that's the whole thing that we thought that Anya wanted through the whole episode is that someone would wish harm upon Xander so that she could do vengeance. But she stops him and she's like, don't. And then she goes back inside. Spike, you know, limps off home. Um, everybody's walking away sad but, like, as soon as the song started, um, of everyone walking away sad, 
It's just, I just remembered, oh, but it's going to get better here in a second. And the very last scene of the whole episode is um, Tara walking up to the doorway of Willow's bedroom, their former bedroom, you know, and she, Willow's like studying in bed and Tara walks in and she's like, you know, we have to, we have to find out if we fit in each other's lives. You know, it's a process. Trust has to be built up on both sides. We have to see if we're even the same people, um, you know, talking about like their possible reconciliation, you know, and it's just this really sweet speech where she's, you know, she's saying all the things that like really they should do, you know, because Tara's a smart person. She knows how this shit works. And if she had followed her own advice in this moment, she wouldn't be dying in the next episode. That's what's so heartbreaking. But if you allow yourself to live in the moment, it's a really sweet moment. And she's just like, you know, saying all this stuff, like, you know, trust needs to be built back up. We don't even know. And it's an important process. We don't even know if we fit in each other's lives anymore, blah, 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 blah. But then she just says, can we just skip it? Can you just be kissing me now? And it's just the sweetest thing because finally for once in Willow's fucking life, she cares enough about a person that she's doing the right thing. She quit doing magic. She's been clean for several months now. She is being very patient with Tara. And for once in her life, she's not being impatient and she's letting this process happen. But not, no, but for once in her life, she's doing the right thing and she gets rewarded. She has been patient and she did what she needed to do and Tara came back to her and it's just amazing. We see them kiss and like, this is really only like the third time we've ever seen them kiss. Truly. Cause I mean, we got a little bit of it at the beginning of the season, but their relationship was, you know, falling apart already by the beginning of season six. And before that, the only time we had ever seen them kiss is in the body. The, the episode where Joyce dies. And that is it. And we're going to see them make out a bunch in the next episode before she fucking dies. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> so that's it. That's the end of the episode. And it's just such a beautiful moment. That was the only time I cried during this episode was during that moment of seeing them reconcile. And it's just the best. And I wish, I wish we didn't have to see Tara die. You know, and that's a whole thing too. There's a trope, just in case you don't know, a lot of you guys are already going to know, but there's a trope called barrier gaze. And it's just a thing where like gay characters have to die. And the story with Buffy is that like the writers didn't know about that trope or they weren't trying to do that trope. It was just kind of Joss Whedon's fucking Oh, a character that everybody adores? Let's kill him. Let's rip your heart out and stomp on it. He loves doing that shit. So it's possible that it was not motivated by, you know, the same things that... But it's also... It is, right? Because the trope of, like, killing off gay characters 
is just as simple as there not being as much respect for a gay character as there are for straight characters, right? So there's a lot of anger in the gay community because, because of Tara's death. And it's totally warranted because there was no need for a character like Tara to die. It was used as a plot device because they wanted Willow to be the big bad. Since the beginning of the season, Willow was supposed to be the big bad, and I'm on board with that. But I feel like there could have been another way to do it. They didn't have to kill Tara. You know? We've seen Willow go off the deep end with magic. We've seen Willow be very, very vengeful. It could, it could be as simple as someone really hurt Tara, you know, or we thought Tara was dead. Willow thought Tara was dead and then she went evil, you know, they didn't have to kill her. So anyway, obviously another thing we can wait to talk about till next week. Let's do ratings for the episode. I never did think of an object. There just wasn't an object in this episode. I mean, there were things in the background that I've called dibs on before, but I don't think there was anything specific in this episode. Everyone's like outfits were pretty bad. Like even Tara, even though I gave her outfit of the episode, it wasn't a very great outfit either. Um, okay. I already told you MVP of the episode is Anya and it's really just because she's, she's working through her shit and maybe she's not doing it in the best possible way, but she's doing it and she's saying what she wants and she's trying to move forward in her life. So that's why she gets MVP. Quote of the episode is when Spike has that little speech about like, what does he say when he says, I have nothing but respect for a woman who's forthright. And then he talks about Drusilla being straightforward. Um, I mean, it's not like super quotable because I don't even have the whole quote written down, but that's the closest thing to a quote in this episode. Five by five ratings. Um, I'm going to give this episode a three and a half out of five. It is a good episode overall. Um, yeah, it's good. It is good. That's all I have to say about that. So that has been our discussion on entropy next week. Seeing red. <sighs> okay. Um, let's do a disclaimer right now. I'll probably do one at the beginning of the next episode too, but this is a really difficult episode. It, we're going to be talking about rape. We're going to be talking about the barrier gaze trope. We're going to be talking about killing off a beloved character. It's, there's, there's some misogyny crap in the episode too, because like Jonathan gets these enchanted balls that make him omnipotent. And there's a whole thing where he's like calling Buffy a bitch and he's being absolutely awful. That part's mostly cathartic though. Because that's like bald, open misogyny that is dealt with in the episode. And we get a lot of moments of Willow and Tara being together, being in, in bed together and cuddling and making out. 
and we get actual sexuality between the two of them, which most of the time the show has shied away from that. And for the first and only time ever, Amber Benson, who plays Tara, is in the credits of the episode in the next episode. It's like, oh, such a fuck you to her, really. Because they put her in the credits, the episode that they kill her off. Like, why wasn't she ever in the credits? She's been a regular part of the cast since season fucking four, and she's not in the credits. What the fuck? Anyway, um, there's going to be a lot of anger. We're all going to be seeing red in the next episode, but I want you to... I've, I've not put enough disclaimers in the season. At the beginning of the season, I told you that there would be disclaimers all over the place because it's a really difficult season um, emotionally. But I want you to take care of yourself. If you are really, really upset at the prospect of talking about this particular episode of Buffy, or maybe you've been following this project with me, and you've been watching every episode 20 years later, and you're listening to this in real time, if you are having a lot of anxiety and trauma response, thinking about this particular episode, or any episode of any television show ever, take care of yourself first. You can skip that episode. You don't have to listen to me talk about seeing red. You don't have to watch it ever again if you don't want to. If it's too hard for you, I mean, there's an argument for like sometimes, you know, exposing yourself to that kind of trauma can help you move through it. But if you're not at a space where you're ready to do that, don't do it. Take care of yourself. I will be back the week after that. And it's kind of... I mean, like, it's still tragic after that episode, but for the most part, it's just sort of like, okay, Willow's evil now, let's go on this ride, here we go. Really, the trauma's gonna be next week. So if you're not ready for it, that is totally okay. I'll be here the week after that. Take care of yourself. All right, that being said, I might also have to take care of myself. I'm still going to talk about this episode. But if it, if I post the episode a couple days late, that's just how it's going to be. <laughs> and if I post it a couple days early, because I want to get it over with. Also, I'm just going to do whatever I need to do surrounding this episode. Um, because it is hard. All right. Cool. See you next week, unless you don't want to put yourself through that, in which case I'll see you in two weeks. Bye!